There's the reality of the ultimate sacrifice. It's so close to home. At our house, he is the known. Sometimes you just gotta use the right thing. Welcome to That VoiceOver Podcast, the show for and about the voiceover profession. I'm Michael Greco. Uh, our guest today is Huck Liggett, the owner and head of casting at LA's oldest continually operating voice casting facility, The VoiceCaster. It's in Burbank, California here. Uh, VoiceCaster itself has been around since 1975 and in that time has cast more than 15,000 projects. Uh, Huck joins us now to talk about all things voiceover. Uh, Huck, welcome to the show. Thank you. Probably not everybody knows this, and and our our, our crack uh, staff, which is Stefan, uh, he he did a little <laughs> research and uh, found out, and I didn't know this either, that you were a TV actor uh, in in the eighties on, and you did a bunch of shows like L.A. Law and Dallas and MacGyver and Doogie Howser. Was that oh, is it, that you? Oh Lord, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. We're supposed to be talking about voiceover. No, yeah, I got my I got my start basically doing stage in New York, um, dinner theaters, uh, national tours and um, some off-Broadway stuff and then segued over into TV commercials, which then um, gave me the opportunity to come out to Los Angeles where I started to pursue the nighttime television and films. And so I was pretty, I was pretty active and very lucky for about, you know, 15, 15, 17 years just doing that. And that in that interim of, uh, you know, pursuing that, voiceover came to me basically through TV commercials that I was working on, the on-camera stuff, and they said, well, maybe we should try some voiceover. So I was very lucky to fall into it with, uh, from my um, on-camera experience with TV commercials. Okay, and then how, how did you segue that from doing, doing voiceover then into casting? Basically what I did, there was a time where I wanted to find, uh, the, I guess, pursue the director in me, and... Um, I hooked up with the voice caster having auditioned there and became a freelance director. It was one of those things where I was still pursuing the acting and wanted to be on, I was on call and they would just call me in as needed. And boy, I'll tell you, it was one of those things where it's a newfound love. Uh, once I got into it, didn't realize how much I, how much I did like it and, um, and took to it. It was, uh, it was something that um, just seemed to be a really good fit for me. And then at, at, at some point then you, you, you bought it out. <laughs> <laughs> you loved it so much you bought it. <laughs> well, you know, it's yeah, it's interesting because I was I had no intentions, uh, no business background. I had no intentions of pursuing ownership of the voice caster. But the uh, previous owner, Bob Lloyd, who actually was the first to come up with the idea of voiceover casting many years ago, um, he was to the point where he would he was passing the torch, was looking to retire, and he was a great mentor to me, and honestly, more like a father. Um, um, great guidance, and we had a number of conversations, and it started out first with him joking to say, "Hey, you want to own the voice caster? You want to own a voice? You want to run a run a want to run a company?" And I was like, "I, you know, I thought he was joking at first, and he was. I think he he playfully was, but also testing the waters, and that led to more serious conversation to where I gave it." A bit, you know, more serious consideration, and said maybe this is something that I that I would be interested in doing. So, um, you know, cut to the chase. Basically, basically, we talked more about it, and I, um, you know, spoke to um, to my team, so to speak, in terms of the, um, you know, the ins, the outs, the goods, the the goods, the bad, and it was something that worked out. So I couldn't be more pleased. It was really something that, uh, as I said before, I wasn't pursuing, but as it was presented to me, and I gave it some serious thought, it we brought it to. 
to fruition, and here we are. You know, over the years, obviously, and I, I've been in doing voiceover since 95, and I've even seen, you know, the, the advent of online casting and, and you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of casting being done at agencies now. Is it, is it difficult, or how have you been able to, I should, should say, how have you been able to stay competitive against all of this new technology that's kind of coming out? I think what it is is more about how are you staying alive, um, which you, it's like actors. You need to reinvent yourself. For us, if what we did at one time was only voiceover casting, and it was so crazily busy that that's all there was time to do. But as with the advent of online casting uh, and these voice you know, services that um, are readily available through the Internet, it's... It has indeed impacted the uh, casting process, and not just for the casting houses, but for the actors as well. Um, for us, there was a sense of adjustment for a lot of the people that wanted to try the online casting, and uh, because, of course, it's far more, uh, far less expensive than the casting process. The, it comes with its own challenges, of course, where you're, you're now, instead of hearing a dozen to two dozen options, you know, top people in town, so to speak, you're now having to wade through literally more than just dozens, oftentimes hundreds of submissions. And you, you figure, where is the quality in that? But it impacted our, our industry and many of our competitors. Unfortunately, there were, there were people closing doors, people laying off staff. And I think what's happened is at the beginning, it was one of those first things on the block, let's try it. And now, uh, as things have settled, as the dust has cleared, people are starting to, many of our clients are starting to return to us, realizing that it's such a cluster crash trying to use some of the online facilities that uh, there is more quality involved and certainly much more time-saving uh, process to come to a, a casting house like us. And I, I mean, I've noticed on the acting side that I think two of my biggest campaigns ever, one, actually one through you guys, you, you cast me for uh, 24-hour fitness a number of years exactly. ago. Um, yeah. two, two of my bigger ones were through casting agencies because I, there was less competition for me. There was maybe 20 or 30 guys up for this thing as opposed to the hundreds if it went online. Yeah, your percentages are so much better not to be stuck in the online cattle call. Um, and, and that's really what it is. It's a huge, huge number of people that are submitting, but not just from the major cities anymore where there's great experience and uh, vast knowledge of voiceover, but from smaller areas where there may not be uh, as much ex as uh, experience. And unfortunately, that also then affects the quality. Um, and, and some of that is actually making it to air, which is um, not so satisfying for us. But at the same time, people are, you know, things are changing. People are looking to save a dime, and that's one of the, you know, one of the new ways to do it. And as I said before, I believe that it's going to um, rectify itself or at least level off and has to do that in the last, you know, in the last year and a half to two years. But um, definitely when there's a process out there that is um, – free or close to free, people are still going to try it. And I, I noticed, too, and, I, and I'm not sure when you started offering classes, but that was obviously another way 
that you guys, you know, could could reinvent yourself was to offer classes. Well, the thing is that we had classes prior to a lot of this, and because we were so busy with the casting, we didn't really advertise. For years, we never advertised, and we still don't really do that much advertising of the workshop. Our workshops are filled through word of mouth, through the agents that we work with, through actors that come in here through our doors on a daily basis, through previous students, and um, word of mouth has been very kind to us. Um, but Bob was of the frame of mind, this is the previous owner, where he really wanted us to be known as a casting facility, working with top-notch professional actors, and not uh, have our clients think that we were uh, necessarily casting, casting from workshops only. Um, and as you become a workshop facility, uh, unfortunately, oftentimes that, um, that comes into play as well, where people are thinking that, well, are they just doing the workshops to cast strictly from the, from the students that they work with, and then, therefore, our caliber of talent is not as experienced or as high caliber as the, you know, the L.A. working actor. When I took over, it was one of the things that I thought would help us is to advertise a little bit because, again, we needed to diversify. And um, as things started to slow down a little bit or adjust with casting, that was one of the things that we started to do. But other things that we added to the uh, palette were um, – producing demos. We do commercial demos here now. We have a process called VO and Go, which given the whole new system of online auditioning and people with home studios has really been a very important process to the game. And what I mean by that is this, a lot of people are stuck in their home studios. They're submitting from, um, from outside of their agencies and unfortunately not getting direction. They're not getting hands-on with someone, being creative with them, challenging them, um, having them think of uh, you know, alternate options. And VO and Go, which, which is basically voiceover and Go, where actors can come in here and for a very nominal fee, bring their auditions to the voice caster, have our expert direction, and then we would record and direct them and send it off immediately to wherever it needs to go. Um, it's a way of having uh, a leg up on direction more than anything else and for those that are out there constantly doing things from home a way to just refresh and renew uh, because it's so easy to just, just to get stuck in a rut and doing it the same way over and over again if you're not bouncing it off of someone that that's an interesting point of, of the home studios I mean obviously more and more actors I, I have I'm talking to you from mine actually and, and yeah. a lot of us have them and you know, I think sound quality is is fairly easy if you get some good foam and a decent microphone. You're going to sound okay, but but you're right in that the direction that you would get, unless you're you know miraculous and don't need direction, which I think everybody does. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you guys teach that as well in in your classes is how to direct yourself if if you can, or is, are your classes more of for working actors or beginning actors, or or do you, t- do, you do know, the whole we range? Teach- we teach on all levels. We have uh, we we don't have a lot of workshops here. We try to pack a lot into a shorter period of time, and so we have a beginning class which does your basic introduction to the microphone, mic technique, working with scripts, taking direction, making adjustments, those types of things, and then working on you know the three main categories in commercials. Um, then there's an inter- intermediate class which then applies that to a lot of different categories uh, in voiceover beyond just radio and TV commercials, things like infomercials, phone on hold, legal and disclaimer copy, animation copy, industrials, books on tape, those types of things. Um, but uh, to your point with the, the home studio, it's, it's something that there are people out there, there are actors out there who can absolutely direct themselves. 
But based on this whole new home studio process, what we have added to the curriculum is what I call a way to self-direct. It, and because it's becoming much more uh, pertinent to the process. And it, it is being able to make a choice based on the direction in the script, record yourself, listen back, and then we give you tools on what to listen for in order to make some adjustments and to say, oh, this is what I would need to do if I were a third person listening in and directing me. Um, so yes, we are starting to help people do more of the self-directing than we've ever done before, and only because, again, you know, changing with the time. Do you think that anyone can do voiceover or do you think that the, it's a it's definitely more of a skill, not that just has to be learned, but that you have to have some skill at it first that you can then blossom into a career? I think more the latter than the former, but I am continuously surprised by people who come in at my beginning level class and literally by the end of the six weeks have surprised me. Um, to a point where I'm going, wow, I didn't think this person had it in them. So I think it's, I think there's, uh, it's a twofold answer. One, my first instincts, instincts are to say, you either have it or you don't. But again, if you are an actor, if you come from another facet of acting, whether it be stage or TV commercials or theatrical, um, where you're doing nighttime, you know, episodic, those types of things, if you have an acting background or oftentimes an improv stand-up background, if you have the performer in you, then I honestly do believe that um, you know nine out of ten of those people can find a way um, in voiceover, uh, and it really and that then requires learning the skills. The, the biggest mistake I think actors make is whether they come from an acting background or not is thinking that this is an easy gig that's like I'm going to take a class and get out there and do it because hey I hear it on the radio and I can certainly do that they don't realize how much is involved with it particularly actors who come from everything but a voiceover background there are some major adjustments that you need to make when you come um, come to voiceovers uh, and, and start working with a a microphone the proximity of that microphone dictates an entirely different way of approaching acting and having come from for me first a theatrical background and I mean stage um, a number of people who come here from New York I can relate to having had to make that adjustment of do not play to the back of the house you have to put that person right beside you you know there's a temptation to do that. Yeah, don't and, project and into the microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. But the other thing is it, it speaks to one of the current trends in advertising, and that's one of the things we're all about as well is staying on top of the current trends and bringing that to our students and our clients, and that is um, – is talking just to one person. It is not that it's it's taking that fourth wall down. It's allowing the person into the room with you so that you are talking with us, not at us. And that was one of the old school ways of doing it. And that makes a huge difference as well. People making that adjustment to just be themselves is what we call non-announcing. A lot of our clients who call us up for casting, one of the first specs that they give us when they say, oh, for the announcer, we want a non-announcer. And, and you'd think that would be contradictory, but we certainly understand what they mean to the point of they want a person talking to us, not a, an announcer who is professionally projecting words at us, basically. And, and that's a big adjustment for, uh, for actors to make, especially coming from a theatrical background. But that's one of the things that we concentrate on the most because I think it's, it's one of the most important trends currently. And there, there are now 
obviously a lot of of TV and film actors, celebrities that are are doing voiceovers as well. And and you, I believe, have cast uh, some celebrities here and there for different voiceover jobs. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Why why do you think this trend is sort of caught on? I mean, to me, most people that I know who aren't in the industry have no idea that it's George Clooney or, or whoever doing a voiceover. But, you know, those of us in voiceover go, oh, great, that's George Clooney. I don't know that there's that I have the answer to that other than, the you know, the, um, the sense of uh, positive stigma attached to celebrity and, and uh, particular product. It's certainly you can see where in places it has worked. Um, James Earl Jones was one of the, um, uh, the people that was hired at the very beginning of Verizon's birth. And look how huge Verizon is. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily thanks to James Earl Jones, but I think that had a lot to do with it. You know, if you can, I think what he did was get the attention of the American public. He, he did have that uh, respected voice, that recognizable sound that people related to and, um, and responded to. And I think that is why probably clients and advertisers still uh, will put their money on celebrities is because it has continued to work. Um, look at John Corbett. John Corbett has been out there. For every, he's currently doing Applebee's. He, he did Ford before that. I mean, he's been, he's been around for years, and not only as necessarily the celebrity uh, spokesperson, but as a prototype. It's amazing that, you know, I don't know. You, you may be too young to remember a show called Northern Exposure. Oh, no, no, no. I absolutely <laughs> remember it. No, well, yeah. Well, how many years ago was that? Yeah, and we're still getting John Corbett type. Exactly. (laughs) You know why? Because he's down-to-earth, honest, relatable, likable guy. And that that is what – that will sell every time. That will always help to sell. So, no, I think think there is that sense of attachment to celebrity uh, where it doesn't necessarily have to be because, as you said, there are a number of celebrities out there endorsing endorsing products that – the majority of American public have no clue who it is. They don't. They don't know that. But the advertisers themselves um, feel content in knowing that they've spent that money and really do believe that there's a, a sense of um, I don't know pride and ownership. I think so. You know, I, I, I think that's why they spend the money. But it. I, I think it'll. It's always going. It, there will always be. There will always be room for celebrities out there endorsing products. They're, it just. It just will. Is there? Are there other trends that you've seen lately? Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot, thankfully, a lot more women talking to women about women's products and, you know, older men talking to older people, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they've seen they've finally come around to, hey, let's let the, the specific generation talk to themselves. Well, that that's one of the most important trends that we are trying to respect and and uh, and support in. And this is I also share in the in the workshops with the with the classes to say it used to be dominated by men. Voiceover used to be dominated by deep um, big piped announcer guys. And what's happened more recently is not just a trend for women, but as you said, a trend for younger, older, for eth- uh, different ethnicities, um, for more character-driven voices as opposed to the polished, professional-only announcer-type voices, men and women. And automobiles specifically were, were almost totally dominated by male voices. Take a listen now. There are, there are not only women doing, and we've cast some here, that are not only doing um, the tags, the legal and disclaimer, but are doing the main portion of the commercials as well for automobiles. And we find that very exciting. I mean, there's room for, right now, I think, 
more than any other time in voiceover history, there is room for everyone. And I mean on all different levels, age-wise, doesn't matter the sex or the ethnicity, character versus non-character or announcer sound. But the bottom line to that is there is room for the new talent, but the new talent must understand it's not being handed to them. They must they must commit at a competitive level in order to gain entry into the voiceover world because it is clicky. But I am here to tell you, having been on the other side and now on this side of the microphone, that our clients and even the agents they are always looking for that new voice. They're at, but a voice at a competitive level. You have to you have to have done your homework. This, like anything else, needs to be treated as a business, and you need to invest that time in order to have the payoff down the line. So somehow do either you know whatever training is is necessary to get you to the point of being as competitive as the people you will now be meeting at the auditions. I got one last question, and it's yeah. basically. When uh, we as actors come into the voice caster and we're, 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 you know, hopefully on time for our audition. <laughs> you better be. <laughs> what, what is it that you, uh, you think puts one actor over another as far as getting the job? Like, what, what do you think sets that actor apart? And, and how do you think that, you know, us as actors can, can try and strive for that? Casting process is such a subjective, subjective process that there, there may not be a clear-cut answer to that, but if, if I were to answer it most honestly for me, I would say it's learning who you are and playing to those strengths. Um, as opposed to a lot of actors feel the obligation to come in and entertain us or to get us to like them and by doing so, losing themselves in the process. And unfortunately, because of the current trends, honesty is what we're looking for most often. And you lose that sense of reality, being natural and being honest, when you start to play something else. Um, and it's just like, I just want them to like me. I want them to hire me. And it's like, you know what? Come in. We are calling you in because we think you're appropriate given the specs. Uh, and be true to you. Don't play somebody else. Don't be you pretending to be someone else. Be you making that slight adjustment of direction, whether it be warm and friendly, sarcastic, playful, wry, you know, more professional. But let it be Mike being professional, not Mike playing somebody else being professional, somebody else's idea of doing that. I think that would be my best advice is to say be true to yourself because that is the only way to be most individual and specific and to stand out by doing just that. Huck, thank you so much. That's great advice, and, and thanks for talking with us here on That VoiceOver Podcast. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. That VoiceOver Podcast is a co-production of Half Full and Get Creative, Inc. For more information, go to thatvoiceoverpodcast.com or check us out on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Greco.